0: It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? What do we want to talk about with the Raiders? So I want to see an interception. I want to see some sacks. Raiders come with four. Here comes the fifth rusher. And he's sacked! Deshaun Bauer had him around the waist. And the Raiders' defense holds
1: on fourth down. And then your boy JT got it right.
0: JT the Brick. Always, always great to be with the Brick.
1: I don't spend a lot of time on teams that don't make the playoffs. We talk about what matters in championships and winning here. It's
2: Big Boy Radio.
3: That is the best atmosphere in a preseason game that I've ever been a part of. And that's easy to say that, clearly.
1: Get your ass out here and get ready. Here we go. And now...
0: Here's JT the Brick.
1: Out of the gate, JT, today in studio with Bobby Lotus Broadcasting, Homer Raider Nation Radio, and all of our other powerful sports talk radio stations. Thanks for joining us today. We have a packed, packed, packed show. Should be good as we get ready for the preview of the Denver Broncos coming up this Sunday at Mile High. Uh, both teams struggling. Both teams losing four out of five. But division rivals and the Raiders have an opportunity to sweep Denver, which is a huge deal. I went on one Denver radio station. I'm going on another one today, and I am armored up, ready to go in there and try to get the Raiders' sweep. And I think it'd be a big deal if they're able to do that. I think the Raiders need a win. Denver needs a win desperately. Uh, the stats going into this game are pretty interesting on the Denver front. I'll get to that uh, we'll talk about that coming up. So the head coach, Josh McDaniels, I interviewed him about an hour ago. We're going to turn around that interview and get it to you hopefully here pretty quick. Uh, another uh, sit-down with him talking about the opponent. And I got into Derek Carr and his vision for the plan that he has. So that's coming up here in a little bit. Also, we got Lee Sterling, who had another big week, 2-1. and one. As he gave us three games for free, he'll join us 45 minutes past the hour. Bottom of the hour, Vince Sapienza, Raider and Golden Knights insider. As he'll have a lot to say, as the Golden Knights here are dropping a couple of games. Not the end of the world. Not the end of the world, but something to keep an eye on here. And also, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about an upcoming food drive that they have if you're going to the next Golden Knights game. Ashley Vise, who's part of the Golden Knights broadcast She's going to check in, too. So. Oh, and Brandon Cristal from KOA in Denver, Broncos insider who's in the locker room, practice, uh, games, travels with the team, was with the team in London. We'll find out exactly what's going on with Denver. Denver is the number one rated defense in football. Number one. Number one in red zone defense. Number one in yards. Number one in passing defense. Points, 16.4 a game. Something I brought up with Coach, as you'll hear, this defense is the best in football. And they gave up on Bradley Chubb and moved him because they got to get something back in return for that insane trade for Russell Wilson that hasn't paid off. So their defense led by Patrick Sertan, the young defensive back, who's going to go up against Devontae. And if you're looking for a really good matchup, this is one of the best in football coming up. Devontae versus Sertan and what's going to happen in that game. they got a lot of guys that are injured. The Raiders have a lot of guys who are injured. Everybody has a lot of guys who are injured. Breaking news today, Endomic and Sue signs with the Eagles to reinforce their defensive line after their injuries. Smart move by Endomic and Sue, right? Maybe that was something that Raider fans had on the horizon. Go get Sue. Go get him. Sue would have helped out here because Chandler Jones hasn't helped out yet. And, and Chandler Jones' contract probably keeps him here for a while, on that deal, but and Sue hasn't played. So I don't know if it's going to take him a week or two to be ready, but he's a potential Hall of Fame player, and Philadelphia is in the playoffs probably already, so they wanted to shore that up. And and Sue was smart, just like Odell Beckham Jr. And what's changing now in the NFL, Gronkowski did it recently, you don't have to play the first five, six, seven games. Why? If you're a future gold jacket guy or a legend, great player, sit out. Take your time. Get in shape on your own and then wait for a playoff team to pick you, and then come in and get the money. And Dominic and Sue's probably making more just playing the back end of the schedule than he would have made all year, playing for another team because Philadelphia is desperate to make the move. So that's just it. I wanted to bring that up as we uh, start off the show here. I'm going to get to Derek Carr from yesterday because I think it's a very important moment for Derek Carr coming up here. You can tell that Derek is highly emotional. Highly emotional. And all the losing gets to him. We knew that already, but that last game was the perfect storm of negativity, losing to Jeff Saturday, losing to Matt Ryan, thinking potentially Sam Ellinger was going to come in and play, and Derek having the ball with two shots at the end zone again with an opportunity to win the game. Win the game. Not tie the game, win the game. There were two opportunities for Derek, and he went to Foster Moreau. Moreau needed to make that play. Then he went to Devontae as he was going up against the best defender in Gilmore, who's fantastic. I don't understand that. I don't understand that, or I would have had, you know, Gilmore's great. He's not good. He's not the player he used to be, but that was, a, that was a 50-50 ball. And the reason why that he threw a 50-50 ball to Devontae, I believe, he'll have to say it, is because who are you going to throw it to? You're going to throw it to guys who dropped the ball on the play before. What are you going to do? And they didn't need a touchdown. They could have got a first down there, but Waller's out and Renfro are out. And more and more Raider fans are suggesting that these guys should be able to come back through their injuries and fight through what they're having and play injured. I don't know what that means. I don't know the way you're going to frame it. But in my position here on Raider Nation Radio and with the team, you can't go up to someone who the doctors and trainers deem unavailable and say, why aren't you playing? If you want to, sign up. And they, they sign autographs all the time. Wait in line. Wait in line. There's, all, there's about 100 people in one line and go right up to Darren Waller and ask him why he's not playing. You can do that. You know, a lot of people talk talk to me. I'm not, You can know where to find me. I'm at the Torch every game for all the heroes out there that want to talk to me on Twitter but not in person. I'm at the Torch. I'm at the Black Hole tailgate. Easy to find me. Ask these questions to people in person. Ask them why they're not playing. Ask them why they aren't there. Why can't they play through blank injury? I don't know. I don't know. But without Renfro and Waller, It's two absolute throwaway seasons for both of them. And you see, your life is short in the NFL. You might play 10 years. You might play 12. You might play 7 or 8. This year, gone. On their career stats, you look at their whole career, this year's gone. And these are guys who caught 100 balls. So, you know, they kind of want to keep this going because if they want to get a gold jacket and they want to be considered great in franchise history with Cliff Branch, Dave Casper, Fred Bolitnikoff, Gotta play. You can't have a year when nothing shows up and there's just a blank. And that's what's happening this year. And Hunter was concussed severely, and he's banged up now with the oblique. And Darren Waller, for whatever reason, can't get through this hamstring. Can't get through it. And to the point where we've talked to people about it, where it is in the muscle, where the hamstring is, is it near the threads at the top and bottom of the hamstring, or is it in the belly of it as they talk about? I don't know. I'm not a doctor or a trainer. But Darren's now sitting to make sure he's perfectly ready for that game in L.A., which I'll be at. I'm going to that game in Los Angeles on that Thursday night game. And let's see if Waller's activated to play in that game and he's ready to go. You would think he'd be ready by then. You would think Hunter would be ready by then. You would hope that the Raiders really want to play that out. Remember, I bring up the Rams game for an important reason. That's the world champions of football. They won the Super Bowl. I don't care where the Raiders' season is. You know, they only got two wins. That game's a big game. And the game in Seattle is damn big. You know why? Because Seattle's got Geno Smith. And you know how many games they were supposed to win this year? Two. Four. Max. And now they're a playoff team. And Pete Carroll knows the history of Al Davis. That game is important to the Raider legacy. It's important. You want some other important games? How about the Chargers coming in here in a couple of weeks? After the Raiders eliminated the Chargers. So by then, most likely the Raiders eliminated by the playoffs or close to it. The Chargers coming in playing for their lives in a home game. Is that important to you? It's important to me. And then the Denver game coming up here, the opportunity to sweep them. And that's an important moment for this team. The Raiders fired Vic Fangio by sweeping his ass and winning the last six out of seven in this rivalry. Go win seven out of eight in the rivalry. Go win the rivalry because they add up these career scores. They add up all of this. It's in the media guide. Go get another win against the Broncos and play with pride and poise. You know, if you go on a tour of the Raiders' stadium, if you go on a tour, and I've been privy to go on them, you go around and you see this unbelievable artwork, and then you go into the locker room or the tunnels and you see pride and poise. You hear a term called commitment to excellence. And I wanted to just get that in here before we play the coach interview. Commitment to excellence is one of the biggest branding comments in sports history. Okay? Fortunately, it's the Raiders. Al Davis' commitment to excellence because for about three decades, they were the best team in football. They were the team of the decades. So that was beyond all the media guides. I collect the media guides since I've been with the team. Team of the decades. That matters, it matters a lot. And everybody knows that. So when you're 2-7, and seven, they don't take down in the tunnel commitment to excellence. They don't peel off Tom Flores, Hall of Famer. Those guys see that every day when they're in Legion Stadium, and they also see it at the headquarters, the beautiful headquarters. You know, that headquarters is so fascinating that where we're up there and we do the podcast and the TV stuff, along the wall, they have this beautiful framed photos. About 15 or 20 of them. It's Marcus Allen breaking off a run. It's Dave Casper goes to the post. It's Ken Stabler. It's Fred Bolitnikoff. And those players see that all the time. All the time. So as I said when I had my moment with Jim Plunkett the other night, no more feeling sorry for anybody. Everybody stop with this feeling sorry for anybody. If you're injured and on, on IR, we wish you well. We hope you come back. If you're getting deactivated and you're on, you're just not going to be active because they're going to bench you. We're sorry. You're getting benched because the season's two and seven and they got to get some other guys in. That wasn't the plan in training camp. I was in Canton, Ohio. They were perfect in the preseason, undefeated, no penalties, like perfect. Like perfect stuff going on. And now they've lost six one possession games. Where I believe, I believe they've been coached correctly. In preparation of those games, then when the game starts, the execution isn't right, so you can criticize the coach. You think he's getting some criticism? Yeah, he is. So don't say we're not criticizing the coach. He's getting it all. Listen to this show for two hours every day. He's getting it. And then you look at the players, and I don't think the players are being babied and coddled. I don't think they are because this is a hardcore coach. Comes from the Belichick tree. They don't put up with nothing. All right? If you're not going to play and you're not ready to come back, go to IR. Just go over there. We got other guys that we're trying to figure out here. Okay? So there's no coddling. There's no babying going on here. But the season has slipped away or almost has slipped away from a win-loss percentage. And now they have an opportunity to play a division game. And you could definitely tag it with a must-win for both teams. For both teams. This coach, Josh McDaniels, got a vow of support from the owner, Mark Davis. That hasn't happened with the other coach, Nate Hackett. That hasn't happened there. I mean, that's a mess over there because they don't really even have a plan. When you hear what Coach McDaniels is about to say and what they're trying to do, even the Raider fans who don't buy in, even the Raider fans who don't believe, the ones who text me or call in, I don't think any of them, one of them, no one said that he doesn't have a plan. Fans sometimes don't believe the plan. But they know he has a plan. And they don't believe that in Denver. It it was really quick in Denver for really sharp people to see, oh, this coach doesn't have a plan. He doesn't have any idea what he's doing. Doesn't know the clock. Doesn't know what to do. He's like confused during the game. He's like, this is a mess. So they're looking at that really differently than they're looking at it here in Vegas. Both fan bases are pissed off. And it's good. You know, Whoever's fan, whose fan base is more pissed off? Raider fans are pretty pissed off. Denver fans are really pissed off, too. So let them go figure it out on the field, everybody. Let them go play a game. And let's see the winner advance. And then the loser comes home and just gets hammered again by their fan base. That's really what's on the line here. So just about an hour and a half ago, I sat down with the head coach of the Silver and Black, Josh McDaniels, as we preview the Denver Broncos. We welcome in head coach Josh McDaniels. Coach, let's jump right into Denver. Their defense is number one in a bunch of categories, pass defense, red zone. I'm looking at everything they're doing. They seem to get
3: better as the season goes on. Yeah, it's really impressive because they've they've actually had to change out a bunch of bodies, too. Uh, they've dealt with a number of injuries, uh, traded Chubb, obviously. Um, so this is, in many ways, a different team, a different unit than we faced in the first game. Simmons is back at safety, which is obviously a big a big addition for them. But uh, they've had some moving parts. They've done a really nice job of reintegrating new people in there. They're tough and physical in the running game. They cover well. They blitz. They challenge you in third down the red area. Uh, it's a big challenge.
1: I enjoyed what you said earlier mm-hmm. in this week, preparing for a division rival after you beat them. Yeah. compared to losing can you get into that
3: yeah there's a little bit of a psych a psychological I always thought there was a psychological edge when you lost the first game because the the temptation for the team that wins is to do the same stuff over again and so as a coach you got to be careful if you win the first of the two uh, that you don't just sit there and you know run the same things in each phase and then let them go ahead and make the changes and adjustments so Um, you can't throw everything out that worked, but you better, you better be careful that you don't relax and just say, Hey, let's just keep doing what we did because good coaches and good players find a way to stop that and make you beat them a different way. You scored
1: 32 points in the first game. They haven't given up more than 19 to any other team. That's really unique. So when you look back at what worked, and I went back and looked at the game and just the pace of the game and the flow of the game, there were four or five series where you could do what you wanted to do against one of the best defenses in football.
3: Yeah, we we, we eliminated negative plays for the most part. We stayed ahead on the down and distance. We were in a lot of positive situations and we skipped third down a lot of times, which against this team is, is a way to play if you can play it that way. So I thought we were physical we were aggressive i thought josh ran really hard i thought we blocked him decent up front Uh, we tried to minimize the impact of the two edge players who are really unique Um, you know and just try to stay ahead on the down and distance so we don't get ourselves into those obvious passing situations because those are the plays that they've dominated all year long, and uh, we're going to have to do a good job of staying away from some of those on and Sunday. Patrick Sertan <laughs> hasn't
1: showed up in the interception category, but the last four or five games, I think he's given up four receptions. Yeah. He's the ultimate young shutdown corner in this league.
3: Yeah, he doesn't get targeted much, yeah. you know what I mean? And that's, I've always thought that that was really more of a compliment, and, and the really the, that's the statistic that corners want. Um, you know, when I look back at Revis, and you look back at Stephon Gilmore and some of those guys, they were really never targeted or challenged a whole lot because they were covering so well. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of that with Patrick. He's a really good player. He's a good tackler. He's physical, very sticky in coverage. Um, you know, and, and I'm sure they're going to match him on Devontae at some point. Jones, who's coming in now for Chubb, mm-hmm. he really
1: stepped up with his numbers there too. Yep. What's your concern with their edge rushers and possibly blitzing in this
3: game? Yeah, they're, I mean, we have to do a good job on their edge players, period. They got, them, they got a number of them still. Uh, they moved on from Chubb, uh, and then Gregory's been injured. But Benito, and I mean, they, they, they traded for 54, Martin. I mean, there's there's a multitude of different rushers that our tackles are studying right now. Um, they're going to be going forward a lot in this game. That's how they play, and, and we got to do a good job of protecting the pocket, the middle of the pocket for Derek.
1: Let's get into your roster with Devontae looking at Devonte and being at the game and seeing what he's doing after the catch when he was at Green Bay we see all the highlights on Sports center he's in the end zone or he's toe tapping mm-hmm. now you see what he does over the middle of the field and yeah. how he just tries to run people over yeah. yards after catch if you can touch on that
3: yeah you know and one of the ways that you can get him the ball when they're trying to double him on the outside is to put him inside and so he's he's got a unique skill set that he can be Uh, very, very functional. Uh, you know, I would say he's, he's close to a lead anywhere you put him. but when you put him inside and he can run routes on linebackers and safeties, and then you put the ball in his hands, his rack yards are something that nobody really talks about, but he's tough. He's physical. He's a big player. He's not easy to to get to the ground. And when he, when he gets the ball, he's immediately looking to attack defenders. So we're going to continue to do that.
1: Yeah, and when he he wants to run people over, a lot of a lot of receivers want to get out of bounds,
3: right? He does. That's very tough. Makes him
1: special. I want to get back to your old line, and you talk about the tape of that first game and how well they played. How do you get him back to that after these couple of losses? To be angry up front, to do a better job, especially in the running game, depending on the
3: conditions. Yeah, we we talked a lot about uh, this week about the penalties. You know, and and what has bothered us the last few weeks, we've put ourselves in long yardage situations and I don't think really any unit can really get into a rhythm uh, and establish the physicality that we want to play with uh, when it's first and 20 or second and 25. That's a, those are difficult situations to overcome and really they're self-inflicted. So, uh, whether it's a, a you know a decision we make that costs us ten yards or a technique thing, we got to do a good job of eliminating the penalties and let them get into a rhythm by playing first down, second and three, first and ten, second and four. That's the way we played the first game, and we got to get back. To is that, that
1: something mm-hmm. you look at the film? You don't get many days to practice in pads. When you get an opportunity mm-hmm. to do that, to stress that.
3: Yeah, fundamentals. I yeah. Mean, that's what it is, and we we always say p- penalties are a result of decision making or technique. And so uh, we can practice the techniques over and over again to try to create good habits, and our guys obviously have to make good decisions.
1: Let's get to Derek. He was highly emotional after the loss. We've been talking about that on radio all week, the message that was sent out there. You can tell Derek plays with that type of emotion in a game and after a game. I wanted to get into your long-term plan because you're trying to win every week. But you want to sustain something long term you talked about it at the press conference this week
3: yeah i mean look no they're they're all we're all trying as much as we can to win every game and nobody's happy with the record as it currently stands um we also understand that there's a process in place and there's a lot of new things we learn every week um you know we had a a lighter a work day yesterday relative to walking through and it was the best it's looked in five months you know, because our guys understand that now. And there's little things like that that we're getting better and improving. It won't, you know, it won't be where we want it to be by the end of this season, but I think the, the arrow's going up in some small way every day. Um, and we're trying to do that. We're trying to build something that we, that we feel like can sustain itself. Uh, again, we want to win more. We got to win more. We know that. Uh, but at the same time, we're trying to keep our eye on the future too.
1: <laughs> Last one, going back to Denver, weather conditions, noise, and all of that. When you walk onto the field, at Mile High. What are you looking at? Is it the flags, the wind? It's yeah. going to be cold either way. And you yeah. have some cold days in Vegas here, but nothing to get you accommodated to that.
3: Yeah, no, I think, I mean, we, we've actually had a few windy days here, which has been good. Uh, don't expect the wind to be crazy uh, on Sunday. But the one thing that you can't really simulate is how the ball flies in a kicking game, you know, because of the altitude. And so, uh, We're we'll trying to simulate that with the jugs machine and some of those things in practice, but the ball will travel a little further. We'll be able to kick field goals a little further. McManus certainly can kick them further. Uh, kickoffs are interesting. Punts are interesting. Uh, you try not to out punt and out kick your coverage as much as you can, but when you go to Denver, uh, that's a different challenge that you don't always get to practice in. Good luck against the Broncos. Thank you very much. Thank you, coach.
1: Head coach Josh McDaniels, so on the offensive line to get him back on track again, and clearly his. Plan is something he, you just heard him talk to me about it. He's talked about it at all the press conferences. It's out there now for all of you to digest and understand the plan. It's the plan. That's what they're doing. Dave Ziegler, the owner, the coach, the players who seem to all be on board with it. Really, if the, if the players are pissed off at another player who's not healthy or whatever, that's a topic. But you're not hearing Devontae, Derek Carr, Max. Chandler Jones, who's a great player, not just not playing well, and everybody else coming in here telling you what they want to do and what they want to get to to sustain. Remember, the problem with the plan now is they're trying to get to a level and keep it there, right? Keep it there and then sustain it. And they can't get to that level because of pre-snap penalties, execution, uh, not running the proper route, not having the right players. So all of this is here. And then there's going to be a chunk of Raider fans that do the math and say, well, they won 10 last year, why not 12 this year? We cannot combat those fans, nor are we trying to. That's, that's your way of saying, how do you get to 12 wins? Because Basaccia got them to 10. If you don't remember everything that happened last year, the games they had to win down the stretch, how they won them, blah, 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 then we're not going to have a tutorial on that. You're right. There should be more wins than 10 this year. It should have been a minimum of 10 up to 11 to start going again. It just hasn't happened but they're not ripping up their plan. They're not shredding and going to the shredding machine saying, we're getting rid of this plan because Raider Nation is pissed off. And that's been the toughest part of my job is sitting there where people believe I'm all in on the plan. No, I'm telling you what the plan is. Okay, I'm telling you what it is. And, you, you know, for, for those who come to Q, they come to me, they go to Vinny. Blah, blah. No, we, we're just telling you what they're doing, and then you have something to comment on, and the comments haven't been good. Seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred black hole Thor right here in Vegas with his podcast and his YouTube channel. Hello Thor,
0: JT, my brother. How's it going, man? Um, first off, I, I just want to say thank you, my brother, for when I listen to you, I hear real Raider Nation, real Raider fan. You know, we, we're all having a tough season, right? We're all having a tough season as fans right now. Um, but there's there's no need to, to give up. Like, I honestly, listening to other people on YouTube, whatever it may be, talking mm-hmm. about tanks and all kind of crazy nonsense. Go out there and win games. Get it together. The, the, the plan has to stay intact because it's not like when the season's over, uh, we're not Raider, Raider Nation anymore, or we're not Raider fans, or the players on the team ain't Raider players. So... You have to be ready to fight for next year if you if you've decided that that this year's already over. I, I know we've all seen the one percent chance or whatever, um, you know. So to me, you keep fighting no matter what. As long as there's a chance, as long as there's a chance to take another team out of the playoffs, as long as there's a chance for you to have a job next year. Um, mm-hmm. The commitment to excellence, the the pride and the poise. We need all that to be in everyone or for next for next season, mm-hmm. for next game, for next everything, for us as fans, as, as Raider Nation. Because to me, we're more than fans. We're family. We're, this is like our family out there. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, when I see you, it was a really sad day for me on Sunday. First tailgate, home tailgate. i missed since so three. Um, I really messed my back up bad in Florida, and I just really couldn't even – Mm-hmm. move around so okay uh, I, I miss everyone out there but i love all my people who were went it hard for us and for the raider nation i, I just want to say stay strong stay solid let's keep the faith and let's hope this team can get it together yep thank That's you thor all.
1: appreciate it man pretty emotional emotional guy it's his family i see that when i see thor and i have a cigar with him or Hang out in the black hole. It's a family event. That's why you got to go to these tailgates, too. We want you inside to get to the torch. We want you to see the stadium, but get outside and you know, tailgate and have fun with the family Raider Nation here over the holidays. Raider schedule is kind of bizarre here down the stretch with two road games in a row, then the Chargers coming into town, then the Thursday night game against uh, the Rams in L.A., which will be a massive tailgate. I know Raider fans will be there. Looks like the Rams will be out of the hunt by that time, potentially, so... Unique season, no doubt about it, but most of the diehard fans stay together. We're brought to you by PTs. They just fueled the monologue and the head coach interview with Josh McDaniels. We thank PTs for their continued support of Lotus Broadcasting and Raider Nation Radio. They own the Strat. They own Arizona Charlie's 64-plus locations and proud partner with the Vegas Golden Knights. So when you think of sports, you think of happy hour 5 to 7, midnight to 2, and this show It's brought to you by P.T.'s.
3: I'm sure for some guys my my mind has always been like that and you know I've always had uh, you know the I don't know if the feeling is the right word, but, I, you know, at least hoping that that be the case and that they'd, you know, be patient with the, the whole process. I mean, you look at the, the history of this place. I mean, I don't think a playoff game has been won in over 20 years here. And, um, you know, there's no magic coach that's going to come in and, and change that. And I think that Josh is doing a great job, and he, he, he does deserve that in my mind. I think that, um, you know, we can all be better in certain instances, but, um, you know, some of the greatest coaches that this league has seen has had, some tough times and i'm sure they didn't all come out the block sprinting you know you know like usain bolt uh, you know starting a career off or or starting with a new organization so i think it's a good move by him doing that um it's good for josh it's good for the rest of the guys too
1: Devonte, talking about what mark davis said vote of confidence for the head coach Devonte said the coach is doing a great job that's Devonte who plays for the coach And that's what he thinks as the Raiders are still looking for a big win coming up. They beat Denver before. They're looking for a sweep here. Vince Sapienza joins us, part of our Fox 5 team with Kevin Bollinger. They switch off every week, and we appreciate his time. Vince, you just heard that from Devontae. You heard Derek Carr say he loves the head coach and all of that, but the head coach is trying to win more games and now an opportunity to play another division rival in Denver. Yeah, JT, you know, I think this is a great opportunity. The last few weeks, it, it's been tense
2: in that locker room. There's no doubt. And, you know, the team, the organization's been feeling it from Raider Nation, and rightfully so. But after, after those votes of confidence from, from Mark Davis and for McDaniels, it's all on the players now. This is all on the players. If Raider Nation wants to be pissed at anybody now, it needs to be on the players. This is their time to show up and to do their job. And that's not to say that, you know, the the high-priced guys or whoever you want to point the finger at, you can point the finger at. But in terms of, you know, is it Josh McDaniels, is it the coaching staff, does something need to change? You know, the jury's out. The case is closed on that. This is all on the players the rest of the way. Now let's see what kind of group this really is. We heard all training camp about how tight-knit this group was and and how guys were playing for each other. Now we're really going to see it because now it's on these guys to go on the road against a division opponent and put their money where their mouth is and see if they can go out there and perform. And i got to be honest with you, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this group now looks like come Sunday.
1: That's a very good comment from you, really strong on the players and what the players need to do to step up. I would agree with you. I think the coach has got a tremendous amount of heat. Many people feel well-deserved because of the record. Some people are looking at the big picture, but he's taking it hard. He's getting, he's getting hit hard by everyone here and the players I think are getting a lot of heat too but nowhere near the amount of the head coach and maybe maybe that drives them it sure sounds like Devontae and Derek Carr are in his corner here let's go back to what worked against Denver they scored 32 points no other team has scored over 19, and they just played two common opponents in Jacksonville in Tennessee. So I think the Raiders know how to beat this team, but Denver's defense is stout, and that's even without Bradley Chubb, who they let go. So if Derek's going to have a bounce-back game, it's against the number one defense in all of football. Yeah, and, and you know, going back to
2: that, that Denver game, I, I think it's really interesting. That's You know, obviously the Raiders got the win, but that's the one where, where Derek Carr... Didn't put up eye-popping numbers, but it looked in control. You know, obviously Josh Jacobs had a monster day, 144 yards on the ground, two TDs, but, but there was a rhythm. There was a rhythm, not just to the offense, but the defense as well. There, there was truly complementary football, and I think we've heard that a lot, right? We, we hear that a lot in football, playing complementary football. That's not just on one side of the ball, pass game, run game. It, it's kind of everywhere, and that was one of those games. I remember my biggest takeaway was, man all three team all three phases really kind of played off each other we saw that in spurts last weekend the defense creates a turnover and all of a sudden the offense feels like they have some life they go down the field uh, we have not seen that in large stretches all season and I think a big reason why you're looking at that two and seven record but I remember walking away from that Denver game sitting there saying you know all three phases really kind of fed off one of an, one of another and i think that has to be the case again come sunday Uh, obviously that defense is stout but that's not to say the raiders can't move the ball against them they have they've done it and if anything that it's the defense isn't as good as it was the first time these two met uh i think the defense and the offense really need to go hand in hand this week in terms of creating momentum for one another uh we it's been far and few between the season when, when we've seen that, again, we saw little spurts this past Sunday, but, again, wasn't enough.
1: Vince Sapienza, Fox 5, multiple Emmy Awards. You were there. You've had about as good of access as I had with Mark Davis and everyone else from the groundbreaking at the stadium, the groundbreaking in Henderson. I mean, you were there on the construction site, I believe, more than anybody in the media covering the growth of this stadium. And you've interviewed Derek. So to see the emotion from Derek Carr after that loss, what jumped out to you? Yeah, that was hard. <laughs> that, that was, that was hard to,
2: to watch. And I know, you know, again, as you mentioned earlier, there's, there's been a lot of heat on, on Derek and Devontae and Josh these, these past couple weeks, but it, you know, I, I think people forget, like these guys aren't trying to throw incomplete passes. These guys aren't trying to drop the ball. I mean, they're, they're working in a new system. Yeah. They have the college connection, but things aren't always going to be perfect when you're just looking at those two guys. Um, I, I think what you saw from Derek was real I, I, I think you saw I mean just the the pressures of being a quarterback in the NFL And that's not to say you have to feel sorry for him uh, or, or, or anything like that but it just you, you see the pressures of what this league can do even on a guy who's been in the league for nine years a guy who's who's been through hell and back who's seen some things in this league uh, more more bad than good but I I think if there's one thing that Raider Nation can take away from what, what you're seeing and what you're hearing is that these guys care, is that these guys are, are going to continue to push. And that's why I said what I said earlier. I'm really excited to see how this group rallies around them. Those two are the leaders. Those two are the guys in the locker room. You can have a head coach and you can be Josh McDaniels, but the guys who really patrol the room are the guys in the room. And that's Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. They make, they make the big money. They make the big plays. And now let's see how they are as leaders in terms of rallying this group. And we know Derek can rally a group. We just saw what he did last year. And I think that's a point of contention for a lot of members of Raider Nation. They, you know, they say, hey, we won 10 games a year ago. What's going on this year? Completely different situation, different circumstances. And the roster turnover has been insane for the Silver and Black. So mm-hmm. it's not the same group. But you do have the same leaders. And that's why I do believe Derek can rally these guys and they can turn it around. What that looks like in the end, I don't know. But I do know what we've seen on tape is 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 a shell of what this team obviously could look like, and that's why I'm excited to see what the true colors will be come Sunday, because now it's all on the players. It's all on Derek and the other guys. There's, there's no other room for error, and, and there's no other fingers going to be pointed other than the players, because Josh McDonald's got the vote of confidence. Mark Davis says this is it. It, it, Rome wasn't built in a day Preaching patience Raider Nation doesn't want to hear that The players don't want to hear that And they're going to play like it
1: Vince Sapienza, as we wrap it up So I thought the Golden Knights Were going to win every game this year Every <laughs> single game A little bump here Surprised what happened with San Jose As I watched the third period Coming out of the second Into the third there And, man, that was a real breakdown in what was ever talked about in between periods there. And, look, not every game is going to be perfect. Any concern here with what you've seen from the press box with the couple of losses here compared to the domination and what we've seen the last couple of weeks?
2: You know, their first three losses, they were all by a single goal, right? You know, the, the game against St. Louis, they, they basically dominated the game except for a 40-second stretch, and they end up losing the game because of that 40-second stretch. The, the game in, uh, against San Jose on Tuesday, look, you know, there's going to be off nights. You don't want your off night to be against uh, a rival on, on home ice, uh, especially when your rival's coming and ending a four-game road trip. But look, the Sharks have only won twice in regulation during the regular season against the Golden Knights inside T-Mobile Arena. The law of probability says it was going to happen at some point. Uh, that being said, I, I think that was a – you never a loss isn't good, but it was a good loss in terms of the grand scheme of things because I think that's the kick in the pants the, the Golden Knights needed. They had a lot of success against some inferior teams and, and you know, A rivalry game, as you know, JT, you can throw those records out the window. Tonight is what you call a get-right game. you got Arizona coming to down. They're in game five of a 14-game road trip. These guys are going through it right now in Arizona. This is a get-right game. This is where the good teams show they're the great teams by putting bad teams down. So I expect a big, big performance out of the VGK here tonight against Arizona.
1: Hey, is there any more Vegas flu? Like, we, we know this to be true. <laughs> Teams came in that first year getting hammered. They were just, they were literally, I know this to be true, I've seen it. They were at the tables. They were at the yeah. steakhouses well past 3 a.m. That doesn't yeah. happen anymore, right? Everybody, there's no more Vegas flu? You know, it doesn't into season
2: six. Coaches have gotten wise yes. <laughs> to some of that, and I can tell you uh, without naming teams or players, but there's been a lot more policing going on uh, within road teams and their their management and coaching staff, making sure that Vegas flu uh, does
1: not subside on game night. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. I'll see you soon. Thanks, JT. i well, Vince Sapienza, Fox Five. You know, the Vegas flu when they opened up here, the season one. For those who are listening, Raider Nation Radio wasn't here at that time. And when they opened up season one, it was the greatest experience to see in hockey, all the fans coming in. So the fans were coming in, and they weren't getting in because a lot of Golden Knight fans didn't sell their tickets. Why would you? Tier one, uh, one October, the tragedy here, people didn't want to sell their tickets to opposing fans. So the crowds were just electric, and the next thing you know, they're on their way deep into the playoffs coming. And a couple of teams were partying hard coming here. So they were coming here the night before, so they'd play a game out west, play in L.A., Anaheim, wherever, Arizona, and they would get to Vegas after their game, and they would go right out and party like it was New Year's Eve. And then if they had an off day in Vegas, which was rare, forget about it, then it was... You know, they'd have a little skate. You know, they have their day skate, and then they were out. What hockey players are great at is they go to the steakhouses and the restaurants. They're great tippers. Anybody in the industry who's seen it, hockey players come in, they split a bill. That's eight, $9,000 if they got a group of 20 whatever guys, beverages. They're big beer drinkers, big wine drinkers. They tip everybody out, and then, man, they're on the casino floor, and no one knows who they are. Okay, Unlike the NFL, right? Or a boxer who's in town. So they kind of just slide through. If you're the St. Louis Blues, the Anaheim Ducks, no one knows who you are. And then you just have to take over the town by storm. And that's kind of, as Vince said, that's kind of quieted down, which it should quiet down. Woodson bourbon whiskey. Charles Woodson has a level of excellence and what he expects Raider fans to have in their hand. If they're out looking for a Raider win, it's a Woodson bourbon whiskey. Great time to pick up a bottle or two for the holidays, especially Thanksgiving. After a big meal, have a couple of Woodson bourbon whiskeys with family and friends. It'll be a great way to celebrate Thanksgiving.
4: The Bills' safeties are 25 yards from the line of scrimmage. Kirk back to pass. He's going to heave one to J.J. to the right. Jefferson leaps
0: to catch it. And he caught it at the Bills' 40. What
2: a grab. Are you kidding me with that catch, J.J.? First down Vikings to the 41 of the Bills. So for Justin Jefferson, that's going to be a reception of 32 yards. And that's one of the most cold-blooded receptions you're ever going to see in your life.
1: That is Paul Allen, voice of the Vikings. He also has a talk show in Minneapolis. He's really good on Vikings radio. That game against the Bills is big, and they're talking about potentially postponing Bills versus Cleveland because two to three feet of snow, lake effect coming in. I don't I disagree with that. I bring in Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. Lee, as you've been on fire again. Thanks for another two-in-one week. First off on that game, shouldn't the Bills and Cleveland play in the snow? Well, those two teams are based in the snow. You don't move a game, right? Right, just
4: just move it to Monday. Make it a day later. We love, you know, when you have a doubleheader on Monday anyway. So, uh I think they could probably even play it by Sunday night. They so. should,
1: even if it's yeah. under those conditions. That what football's about. Another 2-1 week last week with Washington outright over Oregon. That was a big one, and you had TCU outright over over Texas on this show. So as we look at this one, Michigan, let's start off minus 17.5 against my wife's finding Illini here. Man, Illinois was staring at a Rose Bowl about a month ago here, and they were really cruising along. Now teams are catching up to them. Their quarterback isn't playing well. Michigan, a heavy favorite, cannot afford a slip-up heading into the Ohio State game.
4: Yeah, you're right. One more loss, and they're headed maybe for the Mayo Bowl. Um, and now they might have to do without their start running back, Chase Brown. He was hurt on the last play of the game. He's a game time decision with an ankle or an Achilles injury. And they've got to face the number one Michigan defense here, which is allowing just 11 points per game and 73 yards rushing per game. That is a tough task. And they've been successful in games when they can get four, five, six yards on first down. If they're forced into second and third and long, Tommy DeVito is not the guy you want at quarterback. So uh, now, that you, when you see the Michigan offense here, uh, they've become balanced: fourth in rushing, fifth in passing. Uh, their offensive line has only allowed eight quarterback sacks, so they're faced a lot of times with second and short and. What can you do with that? Well, Illinois could be without two of their top three cornerbacks for this game. So I'm expecting Michigan to do a little play action, go up top here. They're looking ahead to Ohio State, but not enough. I like Michigan big, 38-14.
1: Yeah, that score sounds about right. Illinois, to play it close, they're going to have to play a perfect game. Uh, Let's go to the NFL as the Chargers and Kansas City were flexed into this game. And Kansas City, minus 6.5 versus the Chargers here. It's an important moment. The Chargers are so bizarre to me because they should have less wins, but they're winning games. That Atlanta game was crazy. Atlanta, all they had to do was fall on a fumble. They win the game. The Chargers win. Chargers kicking game is saving them in some of the games here. And Justin Herbert's playing without some of his star-wide receivers here. And we know how good Kansas City is in this rivalry, but Throw out the records here. Kansas City minus 6.5 versus the Chargers. It could be the beginning of the end of the Chargers in the wild card if they don't play competitive in this game. How do you see it?
4: Yeah, and they played well for three quarters last week. And the problem was they just ran out of players. Mm -hmm. I mean, so many guys were injured on offense and defense. And if you watch the game, Justin Herbert, the reason he hasn't been as successful this year, when you're down Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, your top two receivers, and maybe – Two of the top 15, 20 receivers in the NFL. The windows are just too tight. These guys playing right now in in place of them, uh, they just can't separate themselves. And uh, the visitor, 3 0 against the spread in this series. I do love the pickup of Kadarius Toney. They stole him from the Giants here. Here's another guy, just like Hill last year and many years before, could turn a five yard reception, turn into a 70, 80 yard touchdown. And McCall Hardman coming into his own. Even with the turnovers last week, Kansas City won and covered, and they're averaging 30 points per game here. Blowout City, Kansas City, 34-13.
1: 34-13. Lee Sterling gave you a blowout. Kansas City over the Chargers. He's been red hot on this show. Let's go to Dallas, Minnesota. Very important game here because Dallas – I didn't, They should have beat Green Bay, and they had a 14-point lead, and fourth down, what'd they do? And Dak, can he win the big one? And Kirk Cousins just beat Buffalo. So this line here, I don't get this line at all. Explain the line to me with the Cowboys-Minnesota as we're playing it, or you're playing it at Dallas minus one and a half.
4: So it started at two, and I think it's going to end up as a pick em. I think okay. the public is going to bet Minnesota here feeling, hey, they're at home. That's worth a field goal. These teams are probably about even. Uh, But the Cowboys have done extremely well on the road. They've actually covered 10 of the last 13 on the road, Mm -hmm. five of the last six as favorites, all those victories coming by six points or more. I think it's about the matchup here. Dak Prescott's going to go up against the Vikings, and the Vikings could be without two of their top three cornerbacks. So uh, if he's able to operate and throw the ball early and often, I think they'll have success here. Hey, give Minnesota credit. They're eight and one, but look at the numbers here. They ranked 29th in defense, total yards allowed, and they've beaten a bunch of backup quarterbacks this year. So um, yeah, they're eight and one, but t- very quickly, they could end up being nine and four or nine and five here. I, I think the right team is favored. I like Dallas thirty to twenty four.
1: Wow, there you go. Yep. I would not agree with that, but I don't bet. And you're the handicapper. You're the you're the expert here. Look at that. So Dallas outright on the road against the Vikings, and I know Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. I know when you have a game that no one else is talking about, you have access to some information. Game of the week, Utah minus two versus Oregon. Oregon embarrassed coming off a big one, You know, a rivalry game here. Don't know if it's a bounce-back game in Utah fighting for their lives in the conference here. How do we get that game?
4: Just call 800-400-9741. We'll give it to you for free. 800-400-9741. This is a big client play. And what a week we're set up for this weekend. I found my college football underdog play of the year. I don't have a one, two, or three point underdog. I have an underdog of more than a touchdown. I think wins outright. We've only had two 45 unit plays, two fifty unit plays this entire season. We're three and one. The only game we lost was by a half a point. We're fifty-four and nineteen on these forty to fifty unit best bets. You want to get my Baker's dozen thirteen games combined Saturday and Sunday. Just $97, and it will include the college football 45-unit best bet. Just one place, ParamountSports.com. Lee
1: Sterling, everybody. He's transparent. All his picks are up there, win or lose, and he usually wins. So go check him out, ParamountSports.com. Well, Lee, we'll talk to you ahead of Thanksgiving. Thank you.
4: Sounds, sounds good, Jay. Take care, JT.
1: You got it, Lee Sterling. He's very good. Very good, and he posts his wins and losses. That's the only reason he's on, plus he's my friend. And he's won over the years. If you don't post your picks... Let's throw that disclaimer out again. Let's do this again, Bobby, for those who are listening in Vegas. If you follow people who are telling you what to bet on, I drive in the morning, got friends of ours, work out, drive around. I listen to a station in this town, not part of our family here, that sounds like they have a girl who's in a garage. She has a terrible microphone, a guy who's in his aunt's upstairs locker. I don't understand it. I can barely hear it. And they're giving out picks and they never tell you how much they're betting. If someone is on the radio giving you picks to games, and they don't post the picks and tell you how much they have on the pick, how dare you listen to them. Now, if they post the picks and they lose five in a row, I love them because at least they're telling you how much they bet and whatever. And you think I'm crazy about this. No, I've been in the business longer than all of these new hacks. And not all of them are hacks, but all the new hacks that are coming into the business trying to get you to bet with them. You shouldn't bet with them if they don't post their ticket because they have Twitter. You could post everything on Twitter. You could post an ice cream sundae. You could post a picture with your mom. You could post a picture of a sunset. So why aren't you posting a picture of your ticket that says you bet more than 5 or $10? Could it be because you're not betting more than 5 and $10? Oh, that's it. That's it. You're not posting your ticket because you don't want anybody to know what you bet. I don't care what you bet. I don't bet. I just want to find the people that are real in this industry who you can trust. Lee Sterling's one of them, along with my other friends who I have on the show. Transparency in a wild business of FTX and crumbling (laughs) crumbling coin-based operators. Go with the people who are transparent and have a track record.